there, I'm Andrea Koppel, and it's time for coffee, the podcast where you get to hear firsthand what the jobs and careers that interest you the most are really like. Hey there, Java junkies. Welcome to another episode of T4C Espresso Shots, those 10 crucial questions focused on the career that most interests you. If you're passionate about tree health, urban forests, or any forest for that matter, or city planning, then you certainly won't be barking up the wrong tree with my next guest. That's because my next guest, Matthew Barker, is an expert in arbor culture. And his daily grind involves examining trees in cities and assessing their health and well-being. But before introducing you to Matt, I want to make sure that you've all signed up for the Java Junkies Journal. Time for Coffee's weekly newsletter that brings you the lowdown every Monday on what episodes we're going to be dropping that week. Just head over to the Time for Coffee website at time4coffee.org to sign up. It couldn't be easier. And while you're there, please check out all the other amazing professionals we've had on the show. They're even organized by career, so you can find exactly what you're interested in. And now, my coffee-loving friends, please grab your mug and take a chug of your favorite caffeinated brew, because it's time for another caffeinated career conversation. And my fascinating guest today is Matthew Barker, who currently works as the arborist for the city of Alexandria in Virginia. Matthew is the go-to guy for all things relating to tree health in an urban environment. He's also previously worked for the tree care branch of the architect of the Capitol, where he helped to maintain over 4,000 trees on Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C., and was the person they called when difficult or dangerous trees need to be climbed and inspected. In his current role in Alexandria, Virginia, Matthew is responsible for maintaining the city's tree canopy by maximizing tree plantings on public lands and strategically planning which species to plant in order to maximize health and wellness value to residents. Matthew, welcome to Time for Coffee. Are you caffeinated and ready to go? I'm ready. Let's go. (laughs) Awesome. Okay, so first, espresso shop. What entry-level jobs are available to young people who want to break into the field of arboriculture? Well, I'd say the most abundant point of entry for the arboriculture industry is working for a private tree care company that specializes in either vegetation management, which is clearing trees away from power lines, transmission lines, electrical lines, stuff like that, or working for a private company that provides tree care services to private landowners, homeowners, things like that, where they're pruning and removing trees on private property around people's homes, as opposed to transmission and energy lines along city, county, state rights of way. Got it. Great. Matthew, what are some useful skills that you look for in the young people you hire? I'd say a couple of things that you need to have when you want to get into this industry is definitely a strong work ethic. The work is not very easy. You have to work in very cold conditions in the winter, very hot, humid conditions. And obviously, this is location dependent. But cold weather, hot weather, rainy weather, snowy weather, sometimes in the middle of a storm. I worked in 
hurricane conditions when there's trees that are down or that need to be taken care of immediately that can't wait. So you have to work in all types of weather, have a positive mental attitude to be able to overcome some pretty strong mental adversity. And also just the physical work is very, very taxing, lifting up to a couple hundred pounds, obviously with help, but you're constantly lifting and twisting and pulling and dragging and climbing, not only yourself, but also bundles of tree branches. Usually the newer guys are dragging the stuff to the wood chipper, to the truck, not the more specialized types of work, climbing and rigging and pruning and roping branches down. That stuff you learn on the job and slowly grow into that role, but need to have a strong work ethic, positive mental attitude, and uh, just a, a willingness to learn, sort of soak up some information from the older veterans on the cruise a sponge. You got to soak it up and try not to ask uh, too many questions where they start getting, <laughs> I'm just kidding, where they start getting frustrated. <laughs> okay. That was my problem. I was always asking so many questions about everything they're doing. And I feel like sometimes people take that as you're questioning them or what they're doing when you're just trying to learn because some things that they're saying or doing are just so foreign to somebody who's new on a tree crew, especially if you didn't go to college, urban forestry school to do this. Absolutely. And I totally relate to that because, in fact, there's a picture of me in my high school yearbook with my hand up like this. And it says under my name, excuse me, I have a question. Right. (laughs) So, yeah, I I feel like you probably had similar experiences to me. I was always asking lots of questions and I just sometimes needed to learn to just keep my mouth shut and just try to, you know, learn and observe in in that way, but ask questions at the right time. (laughs) I'm guessing you're very patient with the young people who want to ask questions of you? I definitely, I could say I, I've sort of been in their shoes, so I understand, but I feel like most of the newer people that I've worked with or trained have sort of been the opposite. A lot of people that walk into a tree care office and they get a job and they're, you know, I'd say most of them don't come back the next week. When I first started, I got my first job working for the care of trees in Dulles, Virginia. And there were a couple other guys that joined with me on Monday and a couple of them didn't even make it till Friday. And then I was the only one left on the next Monday that came back to work. So it's not for everybody. And yeah, you got to be now I understand that difficulty as somebody new in the industry. So I try to be a little bit more patient with the new guys. Survival of the fittest. It absolutely is. Matt, is someone's major in school as an undergrad, a deciding factor to break into this profession? I'd say probably less so than many other industries. So I was a biology major at the University of Massachusetts in Amherst, and I was more of a neuroscience student. I had just a fascination with the human body and anatomy and physiology and neuroscience in, in particular. I tried working in a lab. And I really didn't like it. I always wanted to be outside. So it was, I guess I tried to turn a curiosity into a career, which didn't work out. So I kind of transitioned to, I took a couple ecology classes. I took a variety of classes, try to figure out what I wanted to, to step into next. Had a great ecology professor, a tree community ecology professor. And it really just took off from there. Since it was my senior year, it's more of a, I took a couple classes, but I had to sort of self-teach and sort of get interested in myself and then go from there. But there are urban forestry programs. The one in Virginia Tech is one of the better urban forestry programs, maybe on the East Coast. Really thorough. There's a lot of great people that come out of that program and a, a lot of great people that come out of that program that I've worked with personally. What about a graduate school degree and less for breaking into the industry Mm -hmm. and maybe more for getting to the upper echelons of management or frankly, I don't even know where people go in the career if they're just looking up? 
And I'm sure you're looking up anyway because of the work you're doing. Well, <laughs> that's that's really funny. That's a really good point, though. Usually, if somebody is trying to advance their academic career and they want to stay in the arboriculture or the tree care industry, they'll sort of use their master's degree as a way to specialize where they want to go. So you wouldn't get I mean, I'm sure you can, but most people wouldn't get like an, a master's degree in urban forestry. I'm sure there are some and it's probably a, a great choice. But usually people take that as an opportunity if they've gone into more of the municipal route, which I've chosen right now, they'll maybe get more of a public administration or environmental resource management. Or if they've decided to go more in the uh, private sector, they'll get training for management or sales or just sort of building on their skills because a lot of the training and a lot of the education comes from not necessarily a university, but all these seminars and conferences and training through the International Society of Arboriculture, the ISA, where you gain continuing education units for taking advanced, very specialized training. So it's schooling alongside work. And then some people do choose to go on to a master's degree for maybe something to advance their careers as opposed to advancing their knowledge. That's really helpful. Thank you. Matthew, what life experiences do you think are most useful for someone starting out in our culture? Again, starting out can be really challenging on the body and on the mind. You know, you have to have a lot of determination and perseverance to kind of push through some of those really hard days, especially when you're first starting out and you're learning and you're not only is it mentally taxing, but it's physically taxing at the same time. So being able to push through that, I really feel like having, you know, sort of a flexible, adaptive personality, the able to adapt to constantly changing conditions in your working environment, whether it's something safety related, something in your tree removal or tree pruning goes wrong and you have to be able to think quickly and adapt and also have a sense of crew. So when you're working with a couple of guys or girls that, you know, in a potentially dangerous or potentially deadly work space, you need to be able to trust the people you're working with. You need to have a good bond. You're not always going to get along. There's a kind of a joke where you've got three arborists looking at a tree and there's three different pathways they're going to take. I feel I've never met an arborist I've agreed with, with what they should do, but it's always respect there knowing that they're as knowledgeable as you, they just see something different or take a different path. But you always want to have a sense of crew because you're kind of in it together and you're relying on the guy next to you to get home to your family alive or with all 10 fingers at the end of the day. Absolutely. And I'm just looking down. Yeah, I got, I still got all mine. (laughs) I'm I'm very happy to see that. Matthew, what is the best part for you? about being an arborist? Well, I always, so not so much anymore. I used to do a lot of climbing and doing the work itself. With my role in the city, I don't do any more climbing for the city. But what I really enjoyed as I was advancing through my career was being able to look at a tree, see what needs to be done, see that it's in disrepair, maybe damage from storms or maybe just hadn't been pruned in a long time, just needed some TLC. And then getting to go up, take care of whatever needed to be done, come down and then look at my work and say, I did that. The evidence is on the ground or in the wood chipper. But from almost that before and after, you get a really sense of appreciation that maybe you don't get by working any other nine to five job where you're kind of working in an office or doing some different things. I get to see the fruits of my labor directly at the end. So it's very sort of fulfilling. And what about the flip side? Mm -hmm. What about your current job sucks the most? I don't know if there's if there's really a bad aspect of my job. And that's probably a really terrible answer. But I'd say the worst part of my job now that I have to deal with is sort of dealing with the challenges of cultivating a healthy and strong urban forest in a very stressful 
urban setting. These trees have evolved for hundreds of millions of years to grow in a forest setting where there's no impervious surface around them. There's no concrete, there's no asphalt, there's no 40-foot tall stone concrete mortar buildings right next to them. And you're trying to cultivate an urban forest in the city so that all the residents can be the benefactors of their work. But cultivating and growing that urban forest in the urban setting can be very, very challenging, not to mention working around constant development, construction, everything. So you want things to go better and you know, you're fighting a development machine. Great. That's I actually thought you were going to talk about being out there in a hurricane trying to trim the limbs off certain trees. Well, I like I said, that's something that I would have done probably in previous positions. I had to do that when I was working for the architect of the Capitol where I was on the ground doing the work. And the reason why most people ask, well, I can't believe the government hasn't contracted something like that out. They have in-house tree crews, you know, specifically for the architect of the Capitol, which is the Capitol building, the offices of all the senators and the representatives, the Supreme court, all the parks and neighborhoods surrounding. It's quite a large area that people don't realize. It's not just the Capitol building, but having that in-house tree crew, they really appreciate it because when there was trees down or hurricane storm events, they could call on. Absolutely. Matthew, what is the best career advice you've ever gotten? The best career advice that I've ever gotten was something a former supervisor told me and I wasn't ever sure if he was trying to get rid of me or not, or maybe he was just trying to give me some good advice, uh, maybe a little bit of both, was just to never stop pushing, never stop advancing your career, never stop looking for opportunities that are out there. You can be very happy with where you are and what you're doing, but you know there may be something that if you just take a second to look to what's available to you and what you could be good at, just never stop trying to better yourself. Fantastic. Matthew, we've got two more espresso shots. Sure. This one is what movies or Netflix, Hulu shows, or even fiction books do you think accurately capture, characterize, depict your profession? Oh, man. Well, a lot of people ask me if I watch the show on, I don't know what network it is, Discovery or the Learning Channel or something, but it's the, there's like this show about like loggers who I can't remember the name of the show and is right there. But uh, it's about logging companies in like Washington and Oregon and stuff like that. And I've maybe seen a couple minutes of it when I'm flipping through the channels, but they expect me to be like, oh, I bet you love that show. And I'm like, there's a huge difference between being an arborist and an urban forester versus being a forester who's managing timber stands for sales or managing forests for you know fire protection. And they're like, oh, I bet you love that show, watching them cut down all those huge trees. And I'm like, actually, it kind of makes me sad and I want to cry and turn it off, right? So most people, when they talk to me or they ask me questions, that's they're like, oh, I bet you love that show. And I'm like, actually, I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> I could totally see why a, you would hate I'm that. A, I'm a, well, I mean, there's removing trees, especially in private property, is very profitable. It's hard work, but it's very anybody that's had tree work done or had estimates can be shocked at the cost of removing a tree. And especially if it's not an easy to get to spot. So I'm a conservationist at heart. When I was working for the private companies and starting to dip my hand into sales because I thought that might be something that I'd like to get into, I would be so conservative when it came to removing trees. And my managers and my trainers, they were always like, you got to push for you know this and that. I can't, I couldn't do it. I couldn't push for something that I didn't think was necessary. So absolutely. And when you think, especially these older species that are out there and what they've seen, and I find it heartbreaking. And I know in many instances they're coming down because there's 
something rotten in them and that can't be saved. And it's a hazard to keep them up. But nevertheless, I totally get it. Final espresso shot. Mm -hmm. What would most people be surprised to learn about your profession as the arborist for the city of Alexandria? So I work for the city of Alexandria as an arborist, but I'm not the actual city arborist. John Noli is the city arborist of Alexandria. So he's the director of the program. I work directly under him. I manage in the city everything east of Commonwealth Avenue, if you're familiar with the city of Alexandria. So essentially that's Old Town, the historic neighborhood of Delray, and the new development of Potomac Greens and just behind Potomac Yards, where Amazon is going to be moving right in the back door to. I'd say something that's very surprising to most people is to learn how much and this is kind of a nerdy, geeky tree guy answer, but trees lose a surprising amount of their internal circumference due to rot and decay and still have a vast majority of their holding strength. So people will tell me, I think the tree's hollow inside or there's ants that I can see going in and out of it, but a trees can lose a surprising amount of their heartwood to rot and still be very strong and withstand storm and wind damage, especially if that rotten decay is more centrally located to the tree as opposed to being on the outside. You see a big cavity on the side of the tree. That's something different. But trees can lose a surprising amount of their internal heartwood and still maintain a large majority of their holding strength. I didn't know that. Thank you. No, no problem. <laughs> hey, Matt, thank you so much for making Time for Coffee today with me and the Time for Coffee community. I learned a tremendous amount and I... Did you say tremendous amount? I should have. Very nice. Very nice. <laughs> but I really enjoyed it. Thanks so much. Oh, my pleasure. I'm happy to be here. Thanks so much for listening to Time for Coffee, where the professionals in the jobs that most interest you always have time to grab coffee 24-7, no matter where you live. I have one quick favor to ask you. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to Time for Coffee. Thanks so much. 